the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. Welcome once again to one more episode of Sake On Air, the world's one and only podcast dedicated to Japan's iconic beverages, sake and shochu. We are this week recording and broadcasting from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center here in Tokyo for the first time in a long time. So it is very nice to be back. Indeed. Nice to see you back in the back in the saddle here, Sebastian. Um, so delighted to be here, Justin. <laughs> it, is, it feels nice to actually like, <laughs> to see people to be physically present. Uh, it's there is something to be said for that. We're starting to Absolutely. realize here. So uh, it's very nice to be back and. We are, we've got the equipment out again. We're getting back in the swing of things.、Uh, we are, we'll be getting used to this again. So, apologies if we're a little rusty.、Uh, we haven't spoken to humans directly in, in a couple of months. So,、uh, this is a,、uh, it, it might take us a little bit of time to get warmed up here, but I'm pretty sure that this shochu、um, will help. Yeah.、Um, that's, what, that's what I'm banking on. Um, Because that's the theme of the day. Right? It is the theme of the day.、Um, and we have a very special,、uh, special guest uh, joining us uh, this week. This week,、um, we have Joshin Atone of the SG Group,、um, representing SG Shochu. Joshin, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.、It's, uh, you are our first guest in this with post New World. New world. Is it? Yeah. Well, a new world. Question mark is out. Different yeah. world. Yeah.、Uh, we're back to a new abnormal. New abnormal, sure.、Um, and we have、um, some SG Shochu in hand. So before we get started here, let's, I want to raise a glass、sure. to you, gentlemen.、Sure. Thank you so much、Pleasure、for. Pleasure to be here. Yeah.、Thank、we all, so we all made it through、um, the, the ordeals the last couple months, and,、um, and we'll have a lot to get into.、Um, but I'm very happy to have, Joshin, I'm very happy to have you join us this evening because. Um, I and we here at Saki on Air have been keeping an eye on、uh, what's been happening here with SG Shochu.、Uh, you guys have、awesome. brought a product to market、mm-hmm. that is unique and in a position to potentially really shake things up.、Um, no pun intended,、mm-hmm. uh, behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that.、Sorry. We do hope so. <laughs>、um, and so I'm really excited to kind of sit down and dig into.、Um, Sort of how this came about.、Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine this has been in the works for a little for a little while.、Um, and so, yeah, if you wouldn't mind, just first as we get started here, just let us know, you know, who are you?、Um, where are you at?、Um, how did you get here?、Um, Those are questions I ask myself all the time. <laughs> I hear you. <ya> <laughs> um, so, my name is Joshin. So, it's,、uh, it's actually a Japanese name.、Um, uh, My full name is Japanese. I'm half Japanese, half American. I'm born in San Francisco、uh, and raised mostly around LA area until high school.、Uh, my father is Japanese and he's from Fukuoka, which is the northernmost prefecture in Kyushu.、Um, and basically, I kind of grew up like in California, but going back and forth between Japan and the States every year. So, the sort of annual、uh, migration was a really big part of my lifestyle. Then, basically, I went. Uh, to the East Coast out for university in upstate New York, and then moved to New York City, which is when I started working in、uh, food and beverage.、Um, the first restaurant being a Japanese focused restaurant. 
where I really kind of got my more academic sort of professional interest in sake and shochu going, as well as food itself. I was serving and um, and kind of working, communicating between the kitchen and the floor and stuff like that. So that was kind of my introduction into the food and beverage industry, which I was always quite interested in. Shochu as a beverage or a spirit has always been a pretty big part of my life, uh, even before I was in F&B professionally, because that's that was kind of the default drink of my family, especially my uncle who drank every night. Um, he would. Uh, in, was he in uh, California with you? Or? Uh, so my uncle was in in uh, Fukuoka. So that's my father's brother, and. Yeah, we, we would basically, whenever we would start getting ready for dinner, his thing was he would have sashimi every night um, and he would have two glasses of oyuwari every night. So as we're getting ready for dinner, he would pass his glass to one of the young kids, one of his daughters, I have four cousins, or me or my brother, younger brother. And from when we're about like five years old, you are uh, you are automatically signed up for this duty of making uh, oyuwari for the uncle. And... That, that was actually like my definition of what drinking was. I thought that's what drinking just was, mm. was like making oyuari and like, you know, and, um, you know, it's one of those things like with, with uh, drinks or with music, like who introduces it to you is you either are inclined to like it or not mm. so much. And because it was like this sort of family beverage and I'm very close to my uncle, I think I just knew that I was supposed to like it from the beginning. Mm. And there, I don't remember there being like a big sort of uphill battle of the, mm. you know, liking the taste or whatever. It was connecting you with your other country as well. Other yeah, country, yeah for sure. Yeah. And, and since it was kind of uh, ceremonial in like a very casual way, mm. like it was just such a daily thing in my family's house in Japan, I really only drank it at home when I went to Japan. So it, it was kind of like symbolic that, you know, I was back in my family's house in Japan. So I actually didn't drink much alcohol in college. The scene wasn't really, I wasn't really into, like I really liked eating and drinking together so much that in college you oftentimes in the U.S. like pregame and then you go out to drink and just really, I had like a four-year hiatus of alcohol basically. Mm -hmm. And then once I was working in the restaurant, um, I had some really good sort of senpai people who um, kind of taught me the ropes of like sake and shochu, which really opened the world up. But I mean, did you learn about hospitality or was it just a, a job that you that you started to do to um, get funds for your uh, for your studies? Was it a supporting job or a, a, a decision post-graduation? Um, so I would say it was a full dive into that industry. Um, it has it has always been kind of a dream job, like okay. uh, to work with food and, and beverage. So that was definitely it wasn't like just to pay the bills or something like that. It was definitely a big part. What what was it about food and beverage that that drew you in? Was there was there is that does it share something with music or is that something different that you latched onto? Um, so I guess this is just my background. Yeah, that is, doesn't really. I mean, it, it does actually end up really connecting to the Shochu, uh, why I'm involved with it. Yeah. But um, 
yeah, to me, I think like the sound and and uh, flavor and like music and food and beverage are really synonymous. Um, I think I kind of perceive it in a sort of a um, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it when uh, your senses are kind of you think of one sense in terms of the other? Synesthesia. Synesthesia. Oh, synesthesia. synesthesia is the word. So like a, okay. So yep. you, you're thinking of color in terms of sound or yes, you, yes, you yes, know, yes, yes, that type yeah. of thing. And I really kind of had that feeling about flavor and sound um, mm-hmm. from early on, I guess. And so there was this element of wanting to really work with sound and flavor as kind of in that in that domain of tying those things together or playing with those things together. Um, so that was always an aspect. Also, um, just from a young age, like when something is really delicious, it really grabs my sort of full attention. Um, and it, I would be like fully blown away by just the deliciousness of something or just the perfect sort of situation that <laughs> you might be in. Um, and so like kando, right? Like just being moved by that sort of experience was just a recurring thing that would happen um, when somebody would take me somewhere or my, like, again, my uncle would, you know, maybe take us to some um, restaurant in the countryside in Japan that would just be so awesome, whether even something like soba or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so I thought like that, it was really special to be able to be a part of like kind of providing that sort of experience for somebody. Interesting. Interesting. So then from that, you spent that time working in restaurants for a while. Yeah. And then from there, did you shift into bars or bartending? What did that process look like? Um, so, yeah, the first restaurant I was working yeah. at, um, it was called Sakamai in New York. Oh, yeah. It still mm-hmm. exists. A great yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Uh, so at that time, um, Shingo Gokan, who I now work with, he was doing like cocktail events every month or so where um, the chef at Sakamai back in the day um, and him would basically create a 10 course pairing dinner experience. Um, Sometimes it would be sponsored by a certain brand of spirits. um, And sometimes it would just be uh, non-brand specific, just experiences. And we would invite about like 10 uh, guests and would be like two seatings in one night and that would just happen like once in a month or something like that and the idea of pairings was really interesting just like the one plus one equals you know it could be a thousand or a million and so I kind of signed up to be the food runner for that um, which was kind of a stressful thing like it was a high stress high intensity sort of thing of coordinating the timing between the kitchen which was in the basement running up the stairs and trying not to disturb the guests while trying to get information from the bartender um, about how many you know minutes until you want the next dish and stuff like that so that's how I got to know Shingo and one day I was talking to him telling him that I would like to get into pairing sound with flavors Um, so sound pairing being an aspect of that experience and I was very fresh in the industry at that time, but he was into the general idea of incorporating other senses and kind of gave me this advice of like, if you want to get into that domain, you need to be able to talk about flavors as a professional, which means you 
basically go on the path of being a chef or a bartender or a sommelier, like someone that works with flavors professionally. And so just following that advice, um, I went into bar at that time. So he was uh, a head bartender at Angel Share at that time. Um, and so I kind of shifted over to the bar world mm. where there's a whole another million things to learn. Yeah. So that was back in like 2015 or something. Your angel share then for, for about two years, about two years yeah. or so. Okay. And now it's what 2020 and you've been in Japan for two, three years now, Yeah, two and a half years or so. So we're from angel share. Did you end up come straight to Japan then was, um, so after was, around two years at angel share, <clears throat> I was planning on sort of like shifting out of that bar, like just there was intense two years and I kind of wanted to get a different sort of experience right around when I was thinking that. Um, so Shingo had opened a bar called Speak Low, which was his first bar that he actually produced. And and he was going to open the second bar, which was Sober Company. So um, I kind of got the sort of offer of helping to open that uh, in Shanghai. So, yeah, basically I moved over to Shanghai uh, 2017 and yeah spent a year there helping open that bar and then after that i moved to japan 2018 okay okay so is that about when the project started the uh, shochu project SG shochu so so we, i moved to japan to help open the sg club um mm -hmm. which opened in june 2018 and i think around the end of that year we started really talking about okay um SG Shochu. So yeah, that's late 2018. Two years of development. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've got SG Club, mm -hmm. the SG Group, and SG Shochu. Would you mind just real quick, just for our listeners, just mm -hmm. sort of explaining what each of those are and sort of how they fit together? Just a sure. brief introduction. Yeah. Basically, we have three bars in Shanghai and two bars in Tokyo, uh, all under the SG Group banner. So um, the three in Shanghai are called Speaklo. It's the first one, Sober Company and The Odd Couple. And then we opened the SG Club in Tokyo. And then recently we opened the Bellwood also in Tokyo. And Shingo Gokan is our sort of founder of SG Group um, and was the main sort of producer in most of the bars. Uh, Bellwood is by Atsushi Suzuki, who is another one of our mm -hmm. sort of main bartenders. So that bar is completely under his concept and design. And then we have SG Shochu, which is also one of the SG Group projects. And so this is done in collaboration with three different uh, Shochu distillers uh, to create this brand together, basically. Yeah, so SG stands for Sip and Guzzle, um, which is sort of the theme that... Uh, all of our bars sort of fall under. And the idea is that you can, you know, some people think of bars as just like this very high class, you know, exclusive old fashioned whiskey on the rocks type thing. And for some people, bars are like much more casual, you know, um, just a first drink of the night type thing. And, and then there's everything in between. And we're sort of trying to encapsulate this very um, wide variety of drinking styles and kind of elaborate on that, I guess. So, yeah, we, you would see a lot of different drinking styles, different menus, even within one of our bars. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that, that kind of theme originally comes from Shingo Gokan's initials. But then um, right before that even officially was established, um, Sip and Guzzle was this sort of concept that really fit 
the the bars that we were trying to do even from the first bar you have a, a very kind of upbeat sort of floor with a certain cocktail menu and another floor above that is completely chilled out with a totally different vibe and totally different cocktail menu so the sip and guzzle theme sort of like has kind of been there from the very beginning does that apply to sg shochu product as well too as far as is that a proposal to the drinker as to how they can enjoy it or how to, does that tie in there at all sure um i think it's something that we'll find out more as we go um it's not something that we take extremely literally like for example at the sg club in tokyo we actually have a floor called sip and a floor called guzzle and we have two menus that are totally different but in general like when we say sg group or sg shochu sip and guzzle is sort of you can think of it as almost one word, yeah. Sip and Guzzle. Okay. The way I like to think about it is like, what was jazz when jazz was just starting to become jazz? You know, so many people had their angle on it. And I think as it grows, it really finds its identity. And that's kind of how I think about this yeah. word, like Sip and Guzzle. It's sort of, maybe it's a perspective or, or a lifestyle yeah, or, a, an art de vivre, you know, yeah, an angle. Um, that you can kind of apply to a way of going out to eat or drink mm -hmm. or sort of enjoy your time. Yeah. Excellent. So with that, yep. we have three bottles in front of us. Sure. I see we have we have Imo, we have Mugi, we have Kome. What is SG Shochu? What is SG Shochu? All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, first and foremost, it's a Honkaku Shochu. So single distilled spirit. Uh, using koji in part of the fermentation process. I guess the unique aspect about this product is that it's a, a, a single brand made under a collaboration of four different companies, um, three of them being uh, shochu distillers and one of them being us. The three companies, the shochu uh, distillers, they make a, they, their primary product is a different type of shochu, so different base ingredient. Um, but, you know, they're still competing within the shochu market. So I think it's a really cool thing for them to come together uh, to really rally under the Honkaku Shochu banner, I guess, and and uh, trying to kind of um, dig a little deeper so more people in the world can enjoy it. And so Imomugi Kome referred to the raw materials. Yes. Through, by which those three products were made. Did you settle upon that naming and that communication early on? Was that something early on in the process? We are going, this, it's not called rice. It's not called barley. It's not called potato. <laughs> you know? So yeah, we really stuck with the simple, you know, for someone who knows Japanese, it's almost too simple, just way too straightforward, mm -hmm. like calling a dog, dog. Yeah. But um Basically, because shochu is not something that's very well known outside of Japan just yet. Uh, just, you know, wait five years and see where the world's at. But right now, it's not something that people really know about. Um, but, you know, with any spirit or wine or, you know, um, when people get into it, they're more than happy to learn the sort of original way of pronouncing it or the actual indigenous name for it or whatever, like there's so many hard to pronounce names of mezcal varieties or mm. wine regions that everyone who loves that genre ends up learning. So um, we figured, you know, if 
people like shochu in any capacity. They're going to be more than happy to learn these words, komei, mo, and mugi. Did you think of, did you design the product as sort of benchmark, sort of a benchmark for their, for their, for a certain style or, or, or not at all? I, I don't know if my question is mm. clear, but yeah. uh, um, just about sense. the naming process. Just to give you a sort of a behind the scenes uh, story, at the very, very beginning, before we even started talking to any brands about it, um, we thought if we're going to go for, uh, for a shochu brand, it, would, it wouldn't really make sense for us to just do one variety because even though there are so many varieties, um, one definitely would not represent <laughs> the category well. And we thought three would be sort of the minimum to represent the category. And initially we were going to do like a, maybe Kuma, Iki, and Satsuma or something like that. But um, divide them up kind of by region as opposed to raw material or... Yeah, well, the raw materials in that case would correspond would with correspond the regions. That, yeah. But yeah, we thought it would be nice to sort of emphasize that geographic sort of uniqueness. Um, one of the issues, and I think maybe we'll touch on this mm -hmm. later, but um, we're, we're not trying to make like a small batch, you know, 100 bottles a year sort of exclusive limited product. We want this to be a something that every bar would have in their back bar and use it every night, basically, and all over the world. So certain uh, regions or distilleries that make amazing shochu just isn't really set up to be, you know, putting out like thousands and thousands of bottles every day. So just um, based on that, um, there are certain like distilleries that just we wouldn't be able to work with for this specific project. Um, I wouldn't say we're trying to define the style by any means. Uh, like we wouldn't say like this is the kome that uh, you know everyone in the world should think of as the kome style. Um, not at all. I think they all kind of are not the most mainstream because kome we're going for more of a ginjo style. Uh, mugi is a, a blend of barrel aged shochu, which is very specific type of shochu. And then with the emo, we were using some uh, purple potato, which is also not the standard potato. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we don't think of it as like the benchmark, you know, classic mm -hmm. style. Mm -hmm. yeah. Take us back then just a little bit. What were then, yeah, I imagine you probably just sort of touched on those a little bit there. But initially, when this first conversation got started, what were you looking to address in the market? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when you ask what is the SG shochu, I guess that's something I should have mentioned. Um, so, of course, Honkak shochu, but we're sort of a bar culture company, right? We, we are bartenders and um, we want shochu to be used in bars more, basically. And that was something that came out of um, opening a bar in Japan where most of us were working abroad for many years. But um, you have guests from outside of the country and you want to introduce them something awesome that's Japanese you have very limited options actually at the bar in terms of spirits. And, but we have this awesome spirit category, which is shochu. That's just, I would say underrepresented, but you just don't see it in bars. So we thought that that was a big gap that could be filled. And I guess the next question is like, what is a shochu that works well in bars? And so there's definitely a few different aspects to that. One of them, as we know, is the, alcohol level right mm -hmm. so you have 20 to 25 percent shochu that 
doesn't work very well in 40% spirit cocktail recipes that people are used to. Not to say that you can't make cocktails with it, and actually you can make really cool cocktails with 25% shochu, but you can't replace a sort of whiskey sour recipe, for example, where you, you pour X milliliters of base spirit um, because you just have a very big difference in the mm. proof there. So um, all three of the shochu is between 38 and 40%, which is quite familiar for bartenders to work with. And then the other aspect is the flavor. Since shochu is single distilled, you get a lot of flavor from the base ingredient. You get a lot of oils, and then you also have the flavors from the koji. So combining those things, you know, traditionally shochu is intended for sort of drinking and eating. You know, that's kind of the context that it's really designed for. So when you try to throw it in cocktails, a lot of shochu doesn't work well with fruits. That's kind of the big issue. And even if you're not dealing with like a fruity sweet cocktail, even if you want to make something like a dry martini style, you still have like a lemon peel, which is a fruit, or you're mm-hmm. trying to make a Sazerac, which is very spirit forward drink. But you still have like cognac, which is a great base thing, or like, again, the orange peels or lemon peels. And so to work in cocktails, it really needs to play well with those elements. And we basically kind of worked to adjust the flavors to basically be very versatile in a bar setting. How did you work with the distillers to get there? It's quite a long process, a very fun process, actually. Um, Yeah, (laughs) as you know, as bartenders and as people who love spirits and flavors, it's really interesting to watch these super experts uh, hear sort of our feedback and be able to tune you know, the mm. process um, to match what we want. Um, but basically, we for each style, for kome, imo, and mugi, to be able to differentiate them enough, we kind of had this idea of, like, ginjo style for the kome, um, aroma-wise, so, and for the imo to have a sweet, uh, like a purple sweet potato character, because that's something that's distinct. And then for mugi, we thought we would like to have one barrel-aged uh, or some aspect of barrel just because that's something that's really distinguishes it, you know, in terms of the flavor and style. And then we kind of went forward with a few sort of specifications in terms of flavor and style. And then they basically, each of them sent us a ton of samples, which we just tasted through and then made classic cocktails, original cocktails, and just sort of created things on the fly. And then oyuari, mizuari, sodawari. So those are like our for sure these need to be good like the original mm-hmm. drinking ways so that w- that was in the formula as well too traditional drinking styles yeah. is something you took into consideration as yeah. well too so yeah. this this oyuari and the mugi I'm, I'm enjoying thoroughly or i've enjoyed yes. thoroughly yes. <laughs> at this point it was very nice <laughs> um we didn't want to be a, a, a shochu for cocktails yeah. we wanted to be a shochu that also mm-hmm. works great in cocktails mm-hmm. but if you want to have this with your sashimi or you want to have it just straight oyuari we don't want it to be like, oh, well, you know, that's kind of the new school shochu that is for cocktails, but doesn't work for, you know, traditional shochu lovers. We wanted to make sure it's awesome for, you know, the classic ways of drinking. So you had a judge to go to. What does your uncle think about it? <laughs> <laughs> so this is an interesting story, actually. It just so happens that my uncle surprise visited me in Japan yes, or in, to- in Tokyo yesterday. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> he should have just let me know that he's coming. But for some reason, I guess uncles like to pull a little surprise <laughs> from time to time. And, 
You know, it's really interesting because my, my perspective of him has changed so much since working in the bar industry because we're always kind of exploring flavors and trying new things. And he's more of the classic Japanese shochu drinker that has his bottles, maybe two or three brands that he just always has on hand. And anything else he'll try, he'll say it's good. But we'll go back to drinking what he always drinks. <laughs> yeah. so, I know exactly what you. Yeah. So he's like, what "Wow, this mean? is great, Joshin. Yeah. You know, I love it." And then never bought it again. So, yeah. <laughs> so he just still has the same shochu that he's been drinking. Yeah. 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 In s- selecting these three distillers, so these, so let's, so who who are the producers on these three mm-hmm. here? Yeah, I guess we're kind of going out of order. No, that's okay. But that's uh, okay. so um, kome. Yep. is our rice shochu uh, made by Takahashi Shuzo. Mm. So they're based in Hitoyoshi uh, Kuma mm. in Kumamoto Prefecture. Mm. Um, their most well-known uh, brand is Hakutake Shiro, mm. a beautiful sort of clean uh, rice shochu. And then Imo uh, is our sweet potato shochu made by Satsuma Shuzo. Um, they're in Makurazaki in Kagoshima Prefecture. So very southern tip of Japan. Mm. Um, their most well-known brand is Satsuma Shiranami. Mm. And then mm. for Mugi, we're working with, uh, so Mugi is our barley shochu, we're working with uh, Sanwa Shirui, mm. and their most well-known brand being Ichiko mm. in Oita. How did you settle upon these three distilleries then? What was that process like? And- so to give you the sort of the first date yeah. sort of <laughs> story, um, actually, it started off with uh, Takahashi Shuzo for mm-hmm. the kome. And <clears throat> basically, before we even had any discussion of creating a shochu brand, they had a, a sort of a launch party like event for a new bar. And uh, Shingo was invited to make cocktails at that opening party. Mm-hmm. And so that was actually the sort of impetus, the first connection that's, you know, we really had a relationship with the shochu distiller. And that night turned into talking about wanting to maybe create our, you know, a new brand of shochu. And so that was the first, um, I guess, first step. Then then we kind of sought out to look for a sweet potato and barley um, variety, like uh, people who would be interested in participating in this project. And with Satsuma Shuzo, um, it was interesting, both myself and Shingo had previous sort of connections mm-hmm. to Satsuma Shuzo. Um, they had asked Shingo to make a certain uh, type of cocktail with, uh, I think, the Shiranami Genshu back in the day in New York. Um, and then separately, I had actually visited them for like three or four nights just mm-hmm. by pure interest. And they let me stay with them and do like a mini mm-hmm. internship. Um, so naturally, that was somewhere we actually really wanted um, to work with just because we had this connection and then with Sangwa Shirui um, we had known like their uh, sort of I guess reps like they're they're very much uh, keen on uh, working with bartenders and bars and they have several products that are focused on that uh, Saiten in the US and they're very proactive yeah they're Mm -hmm. very proactive so yeah they had already been coming to our bars and stuff and when we kind of mentioned this project it was sort of like a very quick um thing of like yeah of course we would love to be a part of that yeah so the yeah the bottle the label on the front side you'll see it produced by 
you know, something Shuzo, Satsuma Shuzo or Takashuzo. Um, and it's kind of integrated into the design, so it's not something that will pop up to you. Uh, on the back side, it says it in Japanese. The bottle you have is, of course, for Japan. You, you tell me what you think, but I mean, I really love the, the label and, and, and the design. It's mm. radically different from what we usually see in the world of shochu, I yeah. should say. Mm-hmm. Um, By design, I imagine. Yeah. yeah, so one of the main things with shochu, I mean, I mentioned there's an there was an issue with maybe the flavor aspect mm. to enter the cocktail world mm. um, and the alcohol level and stuff like that. But the biggest thing is image. Japanese people especially, they just have a, a certain image of shochu that is kind of similar to me like it's something that your uncle drank you know especially in kyushu so a lot of bartenders even if even bartenders that are extremely knowledgeable on spirits could answer like some obscure question about spirits in eastern europe you know or some tiny country in the world uh might not know much about shochu just it's just even though it's a spirit in their mind it's kind of categorized as this different thing so that's that's a big reason why it's not in bars and a lot of shochu bottles are kind of designed in a similar way similar bottle shape similar label you have a couple kanji characters and just to break that mold and that image um yeah we kind of went for more of a integrated you know 19th century american sort of when cocktail was becoming yeah. you know big yeah. um, kind of bottle and a design that integrates Japanese and sort of American aesthetics at that time. Absolutely, it's, it's, it it looks like it has a place. It, it already looks like it has a home in that in that setting. You know, it's very it's very subtle. Can you tell us a little bit about the the design of the bottle itself and the, and the cork? Cap? Sure. Yeah. So. Um, for listeners who are yet to view the actual yeah. product, um, hopefully you will soon. Yeah. The bottle is a short sort of stature, a little bit wider. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like it would be kind of similar to like a Hendrix gin bottle. And we wanted to go for a short bottle mm-hmm. because that ends up coming more towards the front of your back bar. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, it just attracts more interest. If the label is interesting and it's at the very front, um, people will be kind of inclined to maybe inquire about it so that was one of our intentions of course it's also very easy for the bartender to grab mm-hmm. compared to some very tall bottles that always end up in the back that was something as bartenders we just know you know yeah. it's tough to grab those bottles in the back and then um, kind of to go with the specs of both like japanese and western bartending uh, in japan like using speed rails is not really a thing uh, most bars bottles sit on the back bar and stuff but of course like in the states or like in a lot of countries in europe your main bottles are going to be in your well so we wanted to make sure it fits in the well um, we wanted to make sure you can stick a speed pour in there but also have like you can grip it in a kind of a standard way as well so it's not too fat not too skinny the top of the bottle the cork um, has this sort of flared out wooden in japanese we call it an umbrella but a top yeah. um and this is something also that's just kind of feels japanese in this sort of architectural way and it's also very easy to recognize when you have a ton of bottles um anyone who's doing a lot of inventory would know that uh you you kind of end up learning bottles by their top yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. so yeah we wanted to make the top quite distinct something that, yeah something distinct from the other stuff mm-hmm. out there but. and also easy to use you can yeah. just pull that off quite easily yeah 
So these three products come to like, when did these come to market then officially? When uh, was so the, they're launched on February 14th, which is so very recently. Day, yeah. Um, of 2020. Is yeah. in is in this a year. few months ago, a few months ago, yeah. as in a few months ago, yeah, amidst all the excitement, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so we launched in February, and then of course in Japan, um, the whole like virus precautions were really starting to kick in in March, and April, May was really dominated by that uh, in terms of the news and also just restrictions of travel and um, going to bars and just going out in general. So that was a great time to launch a product <laughs> when nobody's interested in, uh, especially bars, definitely not interested in um, expanding their portfolio when guests, you know, are not even able to show up to their bars. But limitations always demand creativity, yeah. <clears throat> which sort of worked in our favor in a, in a way because um, we ended up doing a online competition, a cocktail competition, which attracted a lot of uh, submissions in a really short amount of time which was really encouraging to see so and um we actually wanted to spend the first year um getting used to the product being around like even from our perspective um working out the little kind of details of even the language um just even the cocktails that we make and um yeah and just getting a lot of feedback from japanese bartenders and non-bartenders yeah. For, for our listeners, what roughly, even roughly, what's the price tag in Japan? In Japan, the... so Komet is 2,980 yen. Okay. Without tax. Mm -hmm. And then Imo and Mugi are 3,500 yen. So that's. Um, it's about 30, like 30 bucks. Five, yes, 35 dollars. 30 US, to $35. Yeah, in Japan. Mm -hmm. From my perspective, it's yeah. not expensive, but shochu is a really, ch uh, like, I guess cheap is maybe a bad word but like yeah, it's, sure. it's what you mean. quite an affordable spirit yeah. for how much quality uh yeah. you're buying yeah. <laughs> um just in terms of the rigorous of course like not to mention that it tastes great yeah. but for the quality of the spirit um everyone's used to it being quite cheap yeah. and i guess with sg shochu the main thing is that the alcohol is much higher than the 25 degree yeah, shochu yeah. so that in itself brings the the price up a little up. bit yeah. but compared to a lot of spirits that you use in bars i think it's falls yeah. right in the yeah, kind yeah. of i guess lower range yeah what's what's the customer response been like in the bar um so there are many different responses yeah. like of course this is the country that knows about shochu most mm -hmm. compared to every other country in the world so people have very different preconceptions like some people love shochu and yeah. it becomes another shochu that they love. Some people, they actively dislike shochu and it becomes the first shochu that they like. Mm. Um, and some people just are like, didn't have any real, you know, feelings towards mm. not just shochu, but like they're not like big drinkers or whatever, mm. but it was just like a cool thing that they heard about and they tried it and it's good. So there has been like a pretty big variety of responses, mm. but I guess like the main thing I notice working behind the bar is people really drink more based on image and their own memories um, of of spirits. Yeah. So it's just looking at the bottle and not the bottle not looking like a standard shochu bottle. Even people who might not have like a good memory of shochu are willing to try it just because it looks different. 
And that has been like a really interesting sort of psychological thing to witness. And right now uh, at the SG Club, we're actually doing a food and cocktail pairing dinner course tasting menu. Mm-hmm. Um, so we call it SG Airways. And basically the idea is that since nobody can really travel outside of the country, um, we're, we're taking, you know, food and drink and each course being able to transport you to a different country, different city. And um, it's a SG Shochu sort of project. Every single cocktail is made with SG Shochu. And what we found is like this spirit that was originally enjoyed with food and dinner primarily that we kind of tuned into working very well in cocktails. It's like the ultimate spirit for cocktail pairings. Mm. Um, It just already has a foundation that works with food in terms of just like the koji and the flavors and the oils and stuff. But then it just plays so well with many different other ingredients, whether it's fruits or coffee or, you know, like something that's bitter, sour, like herbal. It just lends itself to um, so many flavors that we were we only started doing it just because uh, our bar situation changed so drastically because of the restrictions and whatnot. And and if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't have discovered immediately what you can do with shochu in terms of cocktail pairings but yeah that has been i think our biggest surprise so far is how conducive it is to in that context what did you learn about shochu in this process um a lot i'm still <laughs> learning a lot about shochu specifically shochu or the industry or something in the periphery that industry. yeah well okay so i learned a lot and i'm still learning but um just for sake on air listeners who i guess in the world probably the expert one percent is like the listeners um in terms of like the whole distillation or like the shochu producing process i think filtering is an aspect that is under discussed but extremely important and it's not like the most elegant part it's not the most like flashy guitar solo it's not the distill like distiller blending or or like you don't see the bubbles of fermentation and stuff but um in terms of the final result i think filtration plays such a huge role but you don't really hear people talking about like filtration of shochu and actually i don't think it's something that a lot of shochu producers are eager to discuss either maybe it speaks to the fact that you need to filter it it's like that just implies that there's something you wanted to get rid of maybe yeah, that's implying considered. some sort of impurities or yeah, something like that yeah. but mostly what you're trying to get rid of is excessive oil yeah. that's some like oil is not something most people think about when they're drinking spirits but it really affects what the end flavor is and also how well it works in cocktails because the more oil you have the more flavors you get but it also lasts for a really long time on your palate. So, it, it, you know, it's not easy to get like a clean, fresh finish when you have a super, super oily spirit. So, yeah, that was something in terms of the shochu that was really interesting. You, you mentioned blending as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you tell us about how important blending was in the in the product design for and which product, basically? Sure. So if you look at our website or you know things that talk about sg shochu mugi 
the barley shochu mm-hmm. is gonna have most emphasis on the blending. It's just because that's the sort of design of it. But all three of the shochu are blends of different shochu. But just to focus on the mugi, um, it's a blend of five major sort of varieties of of mugi shochu. Some of it being all koji uh, batches. Some are barrel aged, um, and some are more. You would think of them as like the more kind of cleaner, lighter sort of part of the equation. Um, but what was really cool about this is that they samashiri especially like they're expert blenders. Um, so the way they think about it is like they would actually distill and age and even brew like shochu with the attention of it serving a certain role in the blend in the final blend so you know it's not like they just have a lot of things sitting around and it's just like okay let's use this because it tastes like this or something like that but it's more like we know we want this flavor in the shochu so let's go ahead and make that exact flavor and they have such an expertise of controlling everything from the ingredient to the brewing to distillation aging to really achieve that so that was yeah that's something that's really notable i think about their technique so did you get involved in the in the blending and to what to what degree um yeah we were definitely involved in the blending mm-hmm. itself so it was a cool experience to be able mm-hmm. to work with a lot of the things that you wouldn't really be able to taste even if you visited just because um there are a lot of stuff that people are experimenting with that you might never hear about <laughs> um but just just to get an idea of the final flavor profile we had access to quite a few varieties of shochu um and we kind of blended that on the spot to get a rough sort of profile of how much koji nuance are we looking for how much barrel are we looking for and what kind of barrel tendencies are we looking for and based on that sort of rough outline they really fine-tuned it mm-hmm. changing things by like one percent and in either direction and stuff like that and when you have like five different things to change by one percent you have so many things yeah, indeed, to, indeed. Mm-hmm. you know but yeah um that was kind of the process with that so there's still as of right now so just to date this today is the 30th of june mm-hmm. um Japan, as of now or tomorrow, you can pretty much move freely between the different prefectures. Things are operating at more or less normal hours right now, but there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. Mm-hmm. What's next for SG Shochu at this point and what you're trying to do at the bar space that you have here? And as far as bringing this product then internationally, which I know is it's that's kind of not the end game, but that's the major you know, the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely really excited to get it outside of Japan, um, especially to the U.S., which is where we've worked in for a long time. We're not sure when that could be, you know? Like, I think a lot of us, when uh, there were certain restrictions that started or whatever, everyone had their guess of how long it might last. And I think what we have all learned is that nobody really knows when things are going to change or get better or, you know, certain rules might change or whatever so uh, we've kind of learned to take it more kind of step by step and and um, kind of focus more on Japan for the first year especially 
just because there's a lot of like awesome things happening here in Tokyo, but like in every single prefecture. So, yeah, that would be our priority for this year. At the same time, getting export ready for I think China might be our first、uh, export, and then、um, Greater China, and then Greater Asia actually.、Um, so, even though we're really keen on education and very personal branding, I think the first step is like we're in such a online globalized world that you know if we put out a video and somebody's really interested, we would love for that person to be able to put, get their hands on it. So. I think next year you'll see a lot of、um, a lot of the Asian market, and this year getting ready to launch in those markets. So what's what's got you excited right now, and what's keeping you busy right now? So we're we're making a lot of、um, videos right now, which is something that you know when you're worried about contact with people or like crowded spaces, something that you can really do in.、Uh, Space that you desire with just one-on-one or a few people, so we're working with、uh, bartenders, baristas, chefs, and actually non-FMB people,、uh, creating、um, sort of a video series that、um, kind of encapsulates. It's not s- actually so focused on the SG Shochu. It's actually more focused on our guest、um, and whatever that they are an expert in. And we're kind of as a brand taking the role of showcasing. People who are doing awesome things in the food and beverage industry, and also kind of the、um, creative traditional arts of Japan industry, I guess.、Um, so that that's something that's kind of on our radar right now. That's really cool. Over the last couple months, what are what are some to the degree that you can share? Just what is sort of the conversation been like with regards to what do you think bars are going to look like? Or going to have to look like in the coming months and things like that.、Mm. So, just yeah, personal opinion yeah. stuff. Like we said, we don't know <laughs> what、yeah. it's going to be、yeah. like.、Um, there are definitely a lot of flexibility that's required, but、um, you know, a lot of people say that like ultimately, like human connection,、mm. uh, something that we just really desire.、Um, even if you can do so many things online. Uh, there's something nice about actually being right in front of the person that you want to spend your time with. So, I think it kind of goes beyond just the bar industry or the food and beverage industry, but like even having meetings for your company, whatever industry you work in.、Um, in my case, I realized like, wow, you can do so much on Zoom or on you know Skype, but then you there are certain occasions where you actually see the person and. You realize, like, wow, this conversation wouldn't have happened on Zoom or something like that. So, I think like、mm, that kind of balance of integrating this new post-coronavirus change stuff,、mm-hmm. but not just riding that wave and and having sort of your own、uh, kind of opinion as to what you want to hold on to、yeah. that you think is important, you know, about whether it's bar culture or just inter-human, you know. Culture. Yeah, you were telling us、um, that you're less behind the bar today、mm-hmm. and more working on projects. I'm sorry, I'm coming back to、uh, the shochu thing.、Mm-hmm. But what is your role in that particular project? Yeah, so、uh, my title is brand manager for the SG Shochu. Okay. So I'm one of the few、uh, native English speakers in our company. So、mm-hmm. that 
kind of puts me in a place where I need to do all the English related stuff, even if it's not related to the shochu. Or sorry, only English native speaker on the Japan side. Yeah. There's some people on our China side. But um, a lot of it has to do with like kind of uh, figuring out what we're trying to say. It's kind of a trial and error thing, just because even if you create, like, even, even say, like, one menu that uh, might have had certain nuances in the titles or descriptions or the cocktails are aimed to um, resonate with a certain type of client, you know, a certain genre of guests, it doesn't work in every country and it doesn't work for every event. So that's something, like, I am, I'm in charge of menu making as well, mm-hmm. um, whether it's for our events or for the bar or flyers and that type of visual communication that you see. And a lot of it is kind of figuring out like what will work uh, with who, you know, what kind Mm -hmm. of people respond to certain types of language and even figuring out like, okay, so if we're going to make a video, does it make sense to do it in Japanese and put English subtitles or is it better to just make it in English and put Japanese subtitles? How are, how is the English speaking um, Western demographic going to respond to that how is the non-english speaking western you know is it more authentic if the whole thing is happening in japanese and you see english subtitles and i think that affects the perception of the brand ultimately so yeah those are the kind of things i'm thinking about plus you're you're playing a very important role i think behind the category itself um i mean chris or soa expert would definitely agree that communicating the uh value of, of, of shochu is still a bit of a challenge and mm-hmm. uh, you're playing a very important role there yeah i mean ultimately <coughs> I, I am a brand manager for this particular brand mm-hmm. but even before any title i was i am a shochu mm-hmm. lover and mm-hmm. not just shochu but like i just like good things mm-hmm. you know like in every category yeah. so a little bit of appreciation and time and to get to know the thing and yeah, I think just having that opportunity to take the time to learn how the thing is appreciated is one of the biggest gifts you can really have. Yeah, I want to be part of that conversation more because it applies to so much more than just shochu. That's good. That's probably a really good way to end it. <laughs> anything yeah. else Anything else that's got you excited that's, that's keeping you busy? Any Anything in particular that you really want to share about the product or your work or whatever that, yeah there that, is actually yeah <laughs> Did, um <laughs> so get at it yeah um music is a really big part of my relationship with food and beverage and the world mm-hmm. and uh, one of the first things that kind of came up um came to my mind as we started this brand was that i wanted a sort of a sound to kind of encapsulate the brand um, and so we actually worked with a band called Snarky Puppy, an amazing New York based, uh, mm-hmm. kind of jazz based, but has a lot of influences from different genres, um, band nominated for the Grammys and whatnot. Um, and they've been actually my favorite band for quite a few years, but we've had several kind of coincidental, um, uh, kind of meetings. Um, Shingo is actually knows the percussionist quite well from New York. He There has to be, happens to be one guy who's a percussionist from Kyushu, mm-hmm. from Nagasaki. Mm-hmm. 
and um, the band actually showed up to the SG Club, which blew my mind. Mm. And they actually wrote a song specifically for the SG Shochu. And so this, to me, is like you listen to it and it just speaks for itself. There's no lyrics, mm. but just, you know, the vibe really speaks for itself. So we're excited to share that um, in the form of a sort of a music video mm. a little bit down the line um, in hopes that that would be kind of a... A sonic sort of way yeah. of introducing the flavors and the brand. Very cool. Yeah. Is that is that track is that publicly available? Is, the, is it publicly it's available right now? Not yet. Available okay. At the moment. So you're not going to see really? it streaming uh, okay. and whatnot, just due to license issues. Yep. Um, right now, actually, as part of the the SG Airways, which is the cocktail pairing dinner, yeah. um, you do end up listening to that yeah. at the very end when you come back to yep. Tokyo. Uh, as part of that tour um, but otherwise i think it will be online will be uh once the video is out. Once, once it's yeah. released. okay excellent so excellent. snarky puppy fans which i know there are quite a few <laughs> there are in, a few of them out there yeah yeah um gosh with that i i think it's it's time to call it good cool yeah. um Joshin, thank you so much for making time yes, to come out and join us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge pleasure to be here. Yeah, very nice to see you in person. Awesome. This is, yeah, this is a this is a good experience that I hope we can continue uh, doing with regularity. Yes, in the too. coming months and years ahead. Um, that'll wrap up another episode of Sake on Air. Um, if anybody has any questions, you can reach out to us at questions at sakeonair.com. You can follow us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook at, at sakeonair. Any questions, comments, any strong feelings in any regard, we welcome those at any time in any way, shape, or form. Please do reach out to us. We make this show with the fantastic support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center again here in Tokyo. That'll do it for one more episode here. Gentlemen, we'll have to, we'll have to yeah, keep, 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 working on, keep working on this show keep here. We'll, keep, we'll have to get back to this here. Excellent. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.